Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Offside Rule. Women's football unlocked. David, thank you very much for joining Tash and I. And we're going to talk to you in particular about the Asian player market where you've had so much success. But it'd be great to know your background and how that came about. Yeah, well, I started actually in the um, in the media side of it. I was working for um, for Blackburn um, in their media setup and, and sort of segued into journalism and then started working with um, agents through knowing players and started on the men's game. And then in, in 2000, um, I worked on the Sydney Olympics and I got to film all the men's games, but also film all the women's games. And it was the the women's game that sort of left, left a lasting impression because I was just amazed by how good the top, top players were. Um, so it, that planted the seed. Um, and then it was it was maybe 15 years later when the WSL was really starting to explode and, and, and get going that uh, I sort of made the segue into starting working on the women's game and, and it was ne- never really left it since. It's, it's always been the, a passion project for me as well. We will dive deeper into some of the deals that you've done, but just to give us an example of some of the names that you've worked with, uh, specifically in the Asian market, the, the players that most people here would recognise... Um, I think G's probably the biggest name. Um, just done recently, her deal um, where she actually left Korea and, and gone to uh, Seattle Rain. Um, I brought Cho So Yun over here, um, and originally to, to West Ham, then to Spurs, and, and now at Birmingham. And, and Lee Gu Min's another one that I brought over to Manchester City, um, who's now with Brighton. So those are probably the three most identifiable ones. And then I brought over uh, Cho Yu Ri um, from Birmingham as well. No, brilliant, David. And I just think it's great the players that you've worked with. And I was really fortunate enough to play with many Asian players throughout my career. Um, Kill me with the pronunciations, but I was with Yui Hasegawa at AC Milan, incredible player. Um, Nagano, Fuka Nagano at Liverpool. And then Gion uh, Gayu, I think. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, played with... yeah, I brought her over. Oh, okay. Well, I played with her at Melbourne Victory in Australia many years ago, right. uh, and then at Reading. And, you know, I had, though, for me and the relationship I had with all of them was great, but I probably had some more positive and maybe negative experiences with regards to Yui, for instance, at AC Milan. She massively struggled to the point where I can be honest, like there'd be times where she was crying in the shower at half time of games. That's how much she really struggled with the language barrier, I feel. Um, but then I see her really thriving at City. Fuka fitted in like a glove at Liverpool. And I think that's maybe the effort that the club have made, but also what she's made. Gion, for me, really struggled at Melbourne Victory with the language and at Reading to the point where I think the coaches almost gave up on her a little bit with that kind of language barrier. Maybe that's why she left. Like so, my question to you is like, what is the secret in it being successful and it and it being more of a positive experience than a negative? Yeah, I think you've got to tackle it from from both sides. You've got to tackle it from the player and also the club that's bringing her in. I, I think um, you know when when Cho came in to to West Ham, um, Cho's attitude is is fantastic. She just really wanted to sort of assimilate and and, and learn as quickly as she could. But she also had a manager like Matt Beard who, who was just so supportive, which I think is why Fuka's done so well at, at Liverpool as well. Is you know um, she she turned up and Matt had a little app on his phone that where he could translate into Korean and made an effort to make sure that she fitted right in. And and you know I think that's that's part of the key as well is that you know as as coaches you have to also take the responsibility because there's a lot of 
players coming over the young women um, you know completely foreign surroundings foreign settings um, you know I, I do my best to sort of communicate with them as best I can um, also to sort of form a group bond between the players the, the Korean players certainly in, in England and, and get them speaking to each other which which helps um, but it, it's, it's, it is very stressful it's, it's the two languages are completely different um, you know there's, there's nothing it's not like where you can say like this French or Italian where there's sort of a common base that the, the languages are completely different um, and I think the, the other thing as well for players it, it can be a little bit harder to assimilate because I think there's a false belief in, in Asian players as being technical but quite weak um, so they tend to get bullied or, or people try to bully them um, which we've we've seen with the players that I've, I've brought over um, but you know if you look at the, the, the sort of likes of, of Cho and, and Shea Yuri and, and Lee Gumin the physical they can look after themselves um, and I think that's that's a big part of it is, is just those early days you're just kind of standing up to it when people come in doing you know giving you a little bit of a niggle in the tackle thinking that you're going to be soft and roll over is just to, to give them a little bit back. i would have um, loved to have heard matt beard trying to speak korean he can just about <laughs> speak english so that would have been great <laughs> yeah well, it was it was really funny actually because you know yeah he'd speak to her and then she'd have to look at russ who was the general manager oh, russ would have to translate it into english <laughs> um, you've always um, told me as well about the, the complications of doing these deals because I think we've seen so many more Asian players come to the WSL and Europe in recent years you're probably to thank for that from if, if some of those first few deals that you did but there are complications to it you were describing about how getting out players out of contracts over in Korea for example can be quite difficult so could you give us a bit of an indication as to, to what you're up against? Yeah, I think I think the Koreans are not very well versed in terms of um, international transfers. So certainly on the women's game, they're very much um, bring the players through from an from an early age, bring them through an academy, put them into their league, and, and keep them in their league. And their league also runs within a calendar year. So for them, the summer's mid-season. Um, and a lot of players and a lot of clubs have the mentality that once you sign the contract, that's it. You you remain there until the end of your contract. And that the idea of a, a transfer, you know, even a paid transfer in contract is quite strange for them. Um, so, you know, for instance, with, with G, we had to almost talk the club through the transfer um, to make sure that they understood that it could be done and, and also negotiate the, the money side of it as well, because it's, it's, it's a bit of bit of a, a learning curve for them as well because they're not quite used to dealing with the international market. No, brilliant. So where where do you see then the Asian leagues and the players in the next five years? Because, for instance, someone that's played in Australia in the W League, so when I was there, what, six years ago and I played there for six years, you had the likes of Sam Kerr's, all the Aussie girls were over there, you had real top American internationals coming over. It was a really strong league for players to go and play in in their kind of off time, off period. Whereas then as the season was going on and we eventually all moved to Europe, no one's there anymore. And I think, you know, you look at the W League now and it's really just grassroots local players playing. Um, do you see that maybe happening with the WK League that they're going to lose, you know, like all their homegrown talent? Or do you see actually that potentially they'll all come back home eventually? I, I think there's a real danger that the, the, the WK League will try and hold on to its talent. 
um, and that's going to affect the national team. I think it does. Um, I think the the fact that they try and hold on to their talent so much stops players from from developing perhaps as, as well as they should do. Um, it's a good it's a good league, but I think it, it should be a, a development league, and the, the focus should be on the national team. They were they were fortunate in Korea that they had this golden generation um, where you got players coming through who were were magnificently gifted very technical um, and those players kind of some of those made the jump some of them didn't and, and stayed so I think the the WK league needs maybe needs to open up a little bit more and bring in allow more foreigners to come in because it's a very good league in terms of the fact that they really look after the players well so that's one of the other issues that we come up against is that in the WK league they, they paid very well um, they looked after properly. They're given all, all given accommodation. In many cases, they're given cars. They're, they're very much a group bond, etc. So it's part of it is almost to get players out of that. You've got to have a really good offers as well um, from them to leave because they can get a little bit too comfortable. And how do you identify the players that you want to represent, David? Because I imagine it's opened up somewhat since you had your first player from the Asian markets and, and I'm sure others tell you about others, but is it major tournaments that you, you gain most of your insight? Yeah, I think major tournaments, uh, you always want to see how they do against... Um, you know, non-Asian opposition. So how they go up against the Europeans, because that will tell you a lot in whether they can cope with the, the physicality of the, the Europeans. Um, and I think those are the key ones. Um, I do watch some of the WK League matches. I'm reliant a lot on other players, though. Um, and they're usually, you know, like Cho, for instance, and G have been fantastic in terms of coming to me and saying, look, there's this, there's this player I really think you should watch her. Um, so a lot of it is, is done through through word of mouth and you, you know you, people like Cho and G have played enough in this game and played at the top level that if they recommend somebody to you you know they're going to be decent yeah no brilliant I guess my final question then would be me and Lindsay every week we're kind of trying to shine a light on a rising star or someone that maybe we haven't heard of a lot and then it's just going to hit the scene and, and we're going to look like we're the experts, I guess. So do you have anyone for us within the Asian setup that maybe we need to be keeping an eye on and we're going to be hearing their name maybe in England in the next couple of years or five years? Well, I, I you know, one of the ones that is slightly under the radar at the moment, which is actually here, is Che Yuri, who's come to Birmingham. Um, you know, they've, they've perhaps not used her as much as they should have done, but whether that's a case of the, the coach needs to needs more time to trust her. But she she's very talented, uh, physical, can play, can play direct as well. Um, I think she's she's a player that I think, you know, if, if Birmingham get up great, she's going to be, she'll be in the in WSL, but I think she'd certainly be a player that can, can handle WSL football. Um, going back to right... Back to the earlier earlier thing, I think one of the reasons why I wanted to bring her in at Birmingham was because she'd have Cho there to kind of help her settle, but also give her that little bit of time to develop so she's not under the under the uh, heavy lights of, of the WSL. And for, for me, I want to finish on G because she is one of the best players that I've seen live in WSL. I know that she's got a fan base around the world that love watching her and the way that she plays. For Chelsea fans as well in particular, we know that it was a difficult decision for her to leave Chelsea. But this deal and the sort of money involved, and I know it was fascinating for you to broker because she had got such a good deal, hadn't she, going back to Korea? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she got a, she got a really good deal. Her, her, her sort of Korean representatives had, had got her a really good deal moving back. But, I, you know, I think... 
she the fire still burns for her to play at the top level um, and she knows she can still play at the top level and I think when you are a player with her ability you know I think she went back and realized that actually there was there was more challenges ahead that she wanted to face um, I think you, you know she, you don't she kind of didn't want to come back to Chelsea for the sake that you know, maybe she wouldn't break into the team or maybe they've moved on, but it's, it's going back to, to something that was so good. Do you go back there? Um, but I think that one of the biggest factors was the simple fact that it was going to be so expensive to get her out of her Korean club and also her sort of wage demands. I, I'm not really sure whether Chelsea could match that because, you know, still to this day, you know, the, the Americans are the ones with, with the money um, and still have the ability to sort of blow WSL clubs out of the water, even European clubs, um, if they want to. And then, you know, in Seattle Rain's case, they did. Wow. So that Seattle Rain move... Um, was that fairly easy in the end for you? I know that you were surprised at how m- many clubs were willing to pay what it what was necessary. Yeah, in America, they've got a thing called Discovery, whereas if a club um, is the first club to sort of have rights to a player, they can log it with the league and then you've got to kind of do the deal with them first, etc. Um, what we had in America was that we had uh, three or four clubs all competing for her. So not only did we have to negotiate the deal to get her out of Korea, we also had to negotiate with the deal with the club in the NWSL who had the discovery rights to then pass those discovery rights onto the team that signed her. Um, and I, I think even even G was surprised to be honest when we had the initial conversation about what it would take to get her out of of a contract and and what she'd be looking for in America. Um, I, to be honest, I don't think she thought I could do it. Um, she was, she was kind of a little bit, um, sort of didn't want to get her hopes up kind of thing. Um, so she, she was really pleasantly surprised when, when it looked like it was going to be possible. And then when, when it, when it happened, um, she was delighted. I, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a big test for her because obviously she's a big name. A lot will be expected of her. Um, but I, I think you know Seattle Rain will will give her the time that she needs to settle into a completely new league, and then and then you know she's she's G. She'll do what G does. I keep thinking I'm going to let you go, and then something just pops into my head. Just one final thing, whilst we've got you for these few more minutes, is the Japanese market because that's something of an yeah. unknown quantity, really. But we know how technically gifted they are as players, and I'm I'm surprised we've not seen more no i think i think one of the things with japan is that they 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 took a while to sort of get their league fully professional in the women's side which they have done that they are very very technical players um and i think that's probably one of the things that has maybe made european teams a little bit more hesitant in bringing them over is that the koreans tend to be more physical more stronger produce stronger players so they can they can kind of hack the rough stuff um i think what we'd seen with with japanese players um is that whilst they can be very technical there's a fear that they will get bullied i think iwabuchi you know fantastically gifted player who did great for arsenal um i think she struggled to sort of get in the lineup at, at spurs um but i think as as our game evolves here and becomes more te- technical you know those type of players then have a, the ability to to play on our canvas and, and and do what they can do so i only expect there to be actually more players coming over from japan and, and more players hopefully coming over from korea as well and if you are good for time i've just remembered as well i keep going finally we're not we're not letting you go we're not letting you go um, i know that tash we were talking about culture differences i just wanted to reflect on that because you what what was this that you were saying that um about emotions Tash. Yeah, well, I, I think that from from what I kind of understood that Asian players have kind of been taught not to show emotion, whereas I feel like in England, that's probably the biggest thing is is the emotional side and we're a, we're a very emotional culture and coaches almost 
see that as like a strength that you care and that so I feel like maybe potentially that's why a lot of players struggled when making the move and I don't know whether you've got any kind of examples of that David with some of your players yeah you you almost have to reverse program mm. them so one of the one of the early things that I always say to the players is, is look you have to actually show emotion when you're playing you have to be vocal mm. um where in where in career if you are vocal or if you show emotion it's seen as a sign of weakness or you've lost your head or you, you're challenging the coach it's the opposite here and I, I tell players you know if you if you come over and you stay quiet they're going to think either you're not interested or you're not up for it you've got to be you've got to be vocal i, th- I think one of the things is as well though is with the certainly with the Korean players, is that they'll get fouled and they'll just take the foul. Um, I think Lee Yumin's very good now at, at sort of getting fouls um, and, and understands what she's got to do to get it. But I think Cho, for all her time in the game, still, I mean, I've, I've seen players recently, you know, when they played Leicester, there was a player who like physically punched her in the back a few times because she was so frustrated against playing events. Cho, and Cho just stood there and took it and carried on as normal. But I think, you know, at the sky cameras picked that up. I think there might have been a little bit of a, a bigger story in it, but it's just, just the way that she is. She just gets on with it. Um, but yeah, I think players do have to, when they're coming over, learn that we in this country need players who shout and scream and, and show that emotion because that's what we see as, as being engaged in the game. Oh. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for, for giving us that insight into the, the market that you're dealing with primarily. Um, and we wish you all the best as well. Any big moves on the horizon? Wink, wink. Uh, there, there might be some coming up in the, in the summer. So, okay. um, yeah, if we... We'll, we'll check in with that. Tashed out, we out of retirement. That's the big move, Lins. Brilliant. Thank you so much, David, for your time. Really appreciate it. Cheers, David. The Offside Rule. This is a Listening Dog Media production. Sports Social Podcast Network.